You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everyone to another episode of rb1 killing a fantasy football podcast brought to you by fake i am your humble host pete rogers joined as always by just clark barnes mr class jordan smith and the man the myth the legend ginger nick guys how was everyone's uh halloween weekend spooky spooky yeah that was a better answer than i was gonna give but it, it was good <laughs> Clark, we got visual evidence of your Halloween costume this year. And I have to say, I mean, we didn't, I don't have Nick's picture yet, so I can't, I can't do a direct comparison, but yours, Clark, was quite excellent. Thank you. Leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. People, people got us, and Nick, you got to show us your picture so that, you know, otherwise it's just an easy win for Clark. Nope. Not, that's not going to be the case. Much like. It was an easy win for my Boston Red Sox, who are World Series champions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. What do they play? Uh, I believe it's called uh, Diamond Ball. Diamond, run the diamond. Stick ball run around. Stick ball run around is, uh, I believe, the official term for that. Um, While we're on the Halloween Halloween theme, the Halloween Halloween world, Jordan, you proposed this um, in our, in our, in our, pre pre-show notes and i figured you know let's let's in the opening this is the time where we just kind of you know shoot the shit and and discuss whatever is on our mind um jordan you were saying power ranking halloween candy since you're the one who suggested it i have to ask what is at the top of your power ranking for halloween kid um well do you want me to start with number five and work my way up to build sure i mean let's you might as well i also have five power rankings so we can we can maybe do a little back and forth. Does Clark and Nick? Do you guys have uh, have power rankings? I have a clear cut number one, and I'm yeah, having to chime in on the others. Okay, in That's case you're wrong. It's, well, I mean, naturally, most of us will probably be wrong. All right, so Jordan, what's your number five then? Well, so, well. Number five, and I think it goes without saying, these are all mini versions of these. Um, I have Airheads for number, oh, number oh, five. Hard rejection. Airheads. What? Airheads variety. Change, change of pace candy. Oh, airheads are oh, I don't like airheads. They're just like plastic. I, well, unless you're getting the really large ones, the small guys aren't big enough. So I I don't know how many how many grandmothers are gonna be handing out the full-sized airheads mm. on Halloween. Nick is only they're, in it for the big guy. Yeah, they're they're good candy, <laughs> but don't tease me with the snack size. It's legit. Don't think or go home. I need a, a little bit of fruitiness with my candies because um my well my second one also is laffy taffy oh god just, who are you not the banana the flavor Get the banana flavors out of here i mean at least we i, I need some food that, but i don't think i want to hear three and two you're on an island with number four yeah yeah <laughs> wow you, you guys have had rough childhoods with your <laughs> um three through one are all chocolate based though. as well they should be really five through one should be all chocolate based Num- number three are those uh just the little bags of m&ms 
because legit. That's legit. M&Ms are awesome. Um, Snickers. I feel like Snickers is just the utility candy. Um, it's got the nuts. It's got the chocolate. It's got the caramel. Love me some mini Snickers. And number one, and this is the most elite holiday candy, Reese's. Yep. Always Reese's. The cups, right? Yeah. Yes, the cups. Okay. And I say elite holiday candy because Reese's is good for Christmas candy, and it is very good as those uh, Easter egg Reese's come yep. uh, Easter time. So That's fair. Number so, one draft pick. I don't have Reese's at the top of my power rankings, but they are in the power rankings. I live and die by the Heath Bar. The Heath Bar is my perfect Halloween candy. I don't even know what's in a Heath Bar. It's yeah, I, a fine I compliment to ice cream, but that's it. It is an excellent compliment to ice cream. It's an excellent standalone thing. The thing that I discovered this year that's delicious are these. Have you seen these? They're Butterfinger peanut butter cups. So oh, yes. What? They're, they're, they're so good. They're, they're much a, better than the regular Butterfinger. Yes. Yes, because they're not as like um, I'm trying to think of what's like the texture that I'm thinking of that a normal peanut butter peanut butter finger butterfinger has. Butterfingers will like stick to the top of your mouth. Yeah, like that's not and, good. and the butterfinger peanut like butter hour. cup doesn't do that. It's just it has that nice little crunch that a Reese's is missing, but still has the peanut butter chocolate combination that makes Reese's so successful. My favorite candy are, are Reese's peanut butter cups and Butterfingers. So this is blowing my mind. I can't believe you've never had this then, Nick. Yeah. You literally had a very lackluster Halloween. I like how Pete goes with the hard E on the second E for Reese's. Reese's. <laughs> Reese's. Reese's peanut butter cups. Don't know what you guys are laughing at. Just a guy named Reese. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's his peanut butter cups. Apostrophe S. <laughs> Someone's possession. So I'm just I'm just doing it grammatically correct. Uh, all right. Well, there's a Jordan's power rankings of Halloween candy since he was the one who posted it in the in the group me that I figured well, we got to talk about it. You got to get blow pops in there somewhere. Underrated. I I did not even think about that, but that's a good for what you were talking about, Clark and, and Jordan. You were claiming that Airheads was an acceptable choice for this, but like that change of pace, the non chocolate candy, blow pops is a good one. It's a good one. It's a lollipop and gum combined. And so they're both like the longest lasting of candies. Um, so it's not only a nice change of pace because it breaks up the chocolate flavor that you've been inhaling, but also the it slows you down in your in your regular consumption. I'm too busy. I don't have time for your blow pops. <laughs> the I, need, I need the quick candy <laughs> that I can just inhale. Jordan just wants fistles. That's why he made it very certain that it was all the fun size miniature versions. Anything big, exactly. it takes too long to consume. You take that airhead and you can roll it up or you can just enjoy it longitudinally. There you go. <laughs> longitudinally. That's, that's the airhead's new motto. Airheads, enjoy us longitudinally. On, uh, on football terms, we have, oh man, we have a lot to talk about because the Browns just decided to burn everything and restart their entire team as if there was no, uh, as if we weren't in the middle of the season. So we'll touch on that, obviously. We'll also do the You Help No Ones this week. And uh, and then we're going to talk about some players who maybe are or are not trustworthy in the final stretch. Uh, 
Oh, guys, I'm going to throw it to you because I'm an excellent host and I like to engage my, you know, my fellow compatriots. What do we want to start with? Are you guys feeling extra juiced about the Browns? Should we talk about them first? We want to get the you help no one's out of the way quickly so we can like spend a good chunk of time talking Browns. What do you want? What, what, what's, what's the feeling here? I feel like we should uh, digest some Browns talk. Digest some Browns. All right, let's do let's, it. Let's leave some Browns off at the pool. Um, so the breaking news obviously was that the Browns fired <clears throat> Hugh Jackson, head coach, and Todd Haley, OC. So if you thought that Todd Haley was just sabotaging the team in order to take over, mm, poor planning, Todd, that did not work out. Um, so now it's Greg Williams is the interim head coach uh, for the Cleveland Browns, which is exactly how the world all wanted it to pan out. Uh, Clark, we'll start with you. Feelings. We know both of the coaches that were fired were no good, but best name that I have heard for a while replacing stepping in as offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens coming in hot. I want to see I want to see Freddie Kitchens combined with Jim Bob Cooter to run like a dual offense thing. Mm-hmm. Or open a diner, some kind of sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> what would that yes. what would be the, the Cooter the Cooter Kitchen? The Jim Bob Kitchen? Jim Bob Kitchen. Jim Bob's Kitchen. There it is. That's great. We have to see whose name can carry them further in their careers because Jim Bob Cooter is just coasting on that name right now. Yeah, he really is. Uh, Nick, Nick, do you see this as having any positive impact for the Browns? Or, I mean, you – no one on this podcast has hidden their disdain for Hugh Jackson. Jack Jackson. God, every time I'm going to almost say Hugh Jackman, it's always going to come out of my mouth. I'm always like second guessing myself. I'm like, oh wait, no, no, it's not Hugh Jackman. Wait, no, is it Hugh Jackson? Uh, but you, of all of us, have been the most staunchly against him. Do you? Is this the? Is this the massive improvement that you think it is that it's going to be? So I, um, I do think that it's, it's a fun, yeah, it's an improvement that they, that they got rid of him because I didn't think that that was going to be the case. I figured Haley would get fired first and he would talk his way into another year or two. But the fact that they promoted Greg Williams isn't promising, it, you know, replacing one bad coach with another bad coach. Uh, I think if they give the OFC job to Kitchens, that's kind of exciting. I was looking over his resume a little bit, and it seems like the guy might have a, a shot to develop into a, a good offensive coordinator. But until I, I, I see that happen, it's going to be really difficult for me to, to let myself get excited. I don't want to be hurt again. That's fair. That's fair, especially since we've like pretty much well established the whole theme of the NFL recently, and particularly this year, is like, hey, don't hire defensive-minded head coaches hire offensive-minded head coaches. And yet the Browns, for their interim head coach, have picked a defensive-minded guy who uh, probably is most famous for Bountygate and getting suspended by the league. So This just in, Freddie Kitchens looks like he would hang out with a man named Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, let's look at Freddie Kitchens! Freddie Kitchens. Also feels like we're cousins, for sure. Oh my god, they totally would hang out together. Oh my god, and his nickname is The Chef! You guys, <laughs> Freddy the Chef Kitchen. You guys, this shit does wow. not write itself. Oh, Freddy the Chef Kitchen. I oh cannot God. wait to see the offense he cooks up. Oh, oh God, damn <laughs> Freddy the Chef Kitchens, previously a coach for the Cardinals, Cowboys, Mississippi State Bulldogs, and North Texas, hey. Texas Mean Greens. Hey, that's not bad. Bulldogs checking in. That's a nice. That's a nice little red. 
resume, yeah. get a little of that Brucey Arians under you. He was the QB coach when Carson Palmer came back to life under mm. Arians. So that's, that's intriguing. That's encouraging. And yeah. he also is named the chef, which, whoo, man, there's going to be a lot to work with there. Uh, Jordan, if you are if you are a fantasy owner who has Browns members on their team, let's say Jarvis Landry. I have Jarvis Landry. I also have Nick Chubb on another league. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. David Njoku, Baker Mayfield, all of these guys, Duke Johnson. Is this, are you holding on to those guys? Are you trying to sell those guys? Where are you feeling with the overall trajectory of the Cleveland Browns? And we're going to tie this, I'm, I'm nicely tying this into the overall theme of this podcast, which is, uh, do you, are you trusting the Cleveland Browns offense for the rest of the season? I think for the most part, um, I think the only person that I wouldn't trust so much is Baker Mayfield. And that's, a large part of that is because I think he hasn't played very well and just having a new uh, OC, especially a cool guy named the chef, it might take, you know, a little bit longer to get used to them. Uh, this is the kind of like shift you would have hoped to see during the off season when, you know, they're learning the offense and plugging in new things for Baker Mayfield, who's a pretty dynamic quarterback. Um, otherwise I still feel like Jarvis, um, and Joku's having a pretty decent season. Nick Chubb is like the only running back there because I don't know if Duke Johnson's going to make a reappearance in the NFL again. Um, yeah, I, I would trust some of the offensive players, just not necessarily Baker. So I'm, I, I think that they, the switch happens at, at a, a nice time. Uh, they've got Kansas City up next, which is sort of a matchup or a pr- play caller proof matchup for a lot of offenses. Uh, and then their next game is on November 11th. In a number of my leagues, the trade deadline is November 10th. So I don't know if, if you're if you're in the playoff hunt and you want to get more of a sure thing, and you've got a Brown on your team, and they go off this week against, against Kansas City, you might be able to move them right before the trade deadline. The owner will still feel great because they get to play Atlanta and their injured defense the following week. But then you're hit with the bye, and they've got a number of sort of up and down matchups for the rest of the season so it might be a good sell high time i'll take my chances with chubb and landry uh i don't think you can expect too much out of baker mayfield he's shown that he's good enough to put up fantasy value but still very much a rookie so i don't expect kitchens to spice things up too much The chef needing to learn how to uh, use his spices before we can fully trust, fully trust what he's cooking. I feel like that's what Cleveland radio just needs to say after any time Baker Mayfield throws a touchdown. Can you smell what the chef is cooking? This guy's great. He literally looks like they plucked him off of a bar stool and were like, hey, can you coach football? He was a college quarterback. Could you go better than uh, two and 35 and one? Over a th- two and a half year period? Question mark. Did you see? I think they're leading the NFL in uh, turnover differential. They are. They are. This they're is also, leading. if we're talking other fun facts, Hugh Jackson, also the sixth head coach for the Browns, has been fired after the second Steelers game. And credit to PFT uh, commenter for that little factoid. The past six head coaches for the Browns have been fired after their second Steelers game. That is preposterous. Always the time that the Browns did. They lose to the Steelers the second time in the season and then get the axe. Happens every time. Like clock. Probably why Greg Williams got the interim head coaching job. I would still rather have an offensive minded interim head coach. So Hell yeah. I don't especially if you could have a guy named the chef in house, just promote that guy to 
head coach. Anyways, uh, so there's the Browns. That'll be obviously a lot of fun to watch and spectate and to probably mock. But at the very least, it's a huge win for Cleveland. Let's be honest here. Like, whomever it is head coaching leading this team is going to be an upgrade over Hugh Jackson, who the whole team was checked out on. And you knew that from the word go. As soon as Hard Knocks hit record, as soon as HBO hit record on their cameras, the first thing you saw was like Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson like having beef and Hugh Jackson not knowing how to handle his team. So you knew this day was coming. And so this is probably ultimately uh, going to be the best for an actually pretty talented Cleveland's roster on paper. I just feel better for Cleveland next year because you know they're going to get excited yeah. about whoever they bring in as their coach, and that person's just doomed. Yeah, it's just not going to – It's they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is it. This is our Sean McVay moment. We got rid of our Jeff Fisher, and then they're going to bring in Jeff Fisher. Hoping the Texans will trade Bill O'Brien for like a fifth-round pick. <laughs> Keep at the news. trade deadline this is the breaking news yeah <laughs> all right so then let's move on to before we get into the grunt of the episode where we talk about continuing this trend of talking about players maybe who are uh who we trust or don't trust for the rest of the season we'll quickly going to do you know you help no one this week and we have our five nominees and so let's cue up the music and let's hear who we've got to pick from this week we start with Tyree Kill, who had three receptions for 70 yards, which may seem like a decent performance, but, you know, from Tyree Kill, you expect a little bit more. Drew Brees, who threw for 120 yards, one touchdown, and one interception, and got single-digit fantasy points in PPR. Emmanuel Sanders, who had four receptions for 57 yards and one rushing attempt for minus six yards. Josh Reynolds, who's a wide receiver for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, I guess, uh, had three receptions for 42 yards and two touchdowns. And then our final nominee for week eight, you helped no one, was Trey Burton, who had three receptions for a whopping 18 yards. Nicholas, uh, who's your pick for this week for this coveted it's, award? It's it's Breeze. Um, if, if, if you spent a mildly early round pick on on breeze which you, you basically had to have done to get him um getting single digits out of that position on your starting roster probably screwed you uh do you want to say got super lucky and in my crazy deep um industry league started josh reynolds you sh- what yeah what was your thought process behind that uh you were just like that's the next person on the rams depth chart yeah he'll be out there in three receiver sets and he's in the rams yeah. offense so there you go someone benefited from those two touchdowns uh, yeah, my six flags. Good God. Clark, who's your pick? So I've got Emmanuel Sanders. He's been up and down all year, uh, averaging out to the 11th best wide receiver in both PPR and standard. And it's, I have him everywhere because I just thought he was going to be great. And it has been the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, depending on each week. It's fair. And a little tease, this won't be the last that we speak of him on this podcast. (laughs) Oh, saucy. So stick around, fools. Uh, Jordan, who's your pick? I have to agree with Nick. I think I'm going with Drew Brees. Just because single digits out of your quarterback just generally sucks. It's not good. And the pass catchers, yeah, they're just eventually going to have down weeks anyhow. And you kind of got a plan for that. But you usually don't expect that out of Drew Brees, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh my pick is Trey Burton just because I picked him up specifically. Well, I just picked him up this week and started in one of my leagues and then he gave me absolutely nothing. But spoiler alert, the person who won this week, the award definitely goes to Drew Brees. Uh 
the poll on fake teams agrees with that. He is winning. He has won by a large margin. Uh, so he has 64 currently percent of the votes uh, for this week's You Help No One. So Drew Brees, we're not even going to do a drum roll because it's not even a surprise. Mm-hmm. Anytime a quarterback of that high caliber only gets you single digits, that is a player who helped no one. So congrats, Drew Brees. He got my boy Kamara his touchdown, so I'm really – So <laughs> that's all Clark cares about. I was like one touchdown. I was like, oh, please, please, yes. Oh, yes, that's it. That's the one touchdown. That's all I needed. Excellent. So there you go, Drew Brees. Congrats. You helped no one this week. And now for our main event, uh, Clark and Jordan suggested this topic. Um, and so as such, I'm absolved of all ridicule if I horribly explain this. But uh, basically my thought or my inter- interpretation of the idea is we're at the halfway point and we're asking the simple question, uh, who do you trust rest of the season? Is that correct, Clark and Jordan? Am I on the right page? Nailed it. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Um, But since you, the listeners, want actual tangible results more than just our opinions, however true they might be, I broke the RB1 budget and I purchased a rest of the season simulator or Ross, as it's affectionately named. Um, And so with each player that we talk about, uh, I will input that player into the Ross machine and it will provide a 100% accurate determination as to whether or not you should keep this player uh, on your roster for the rest of the season. So that's something where if we have an opinion, you can listen to that, or you can choose uh, to only listen to the 100% accurate rest of the season simulator, um, or as we will be referring to it, Ross. So let's start with uh, Nick. Why don't we start with you? And why don't you give us your first player who you have uh, maybe some faith in or no faith uh, in for the rest of the season? Yeah. So a guy I'm trusting for the rest of the year is Christian McCaffrey. I've got him in a couple leagues, and he's had an up-and-down start and more of a uh, variance-riddled start to the first half of the season than I would have liked. But he played well against Baltimore last week. And the rest of the season, they face Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Seattle, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, New Orleans, Atlanta, New Orleans. Like I don't know if you could come up with an easier run defense schedule uh, if you tried. So if you were worried about Christian McCaffrey for the rest of the season, don't be. He, I think he's a locked-in top 12 running back. Yeah, I agree. I, they played a really stout um, Ravens defense, and Cam Newton still looked pretty good. And I just think by proxy that Christian McCaffrey is going to start rolling along with him. That game was tough because I benched Christian McCaffrey because I was like, this Ravens defense. I mean, this, yeah, Ravens defense. Legit. And so I instead played uh, on Johnson, who I was like, missed out on his week last week. So I was like, got to play him this week. Ultimately, didn't work out. Christian McCaffrey had a great game. Um, and he is someone, and I've talked about this. I think I've mentioned this once on the podcast before. He's someone who I am directly comparing to James Conner for the last couple of weeks because I did a trade in which I got James, Christian McCaffrey for James Conner. And while seeing James Conner just flourish and Christian McCaffrey put out pedestrian numbers here and there, it's nice to hear your confidence, Nick, that that his both his matchups will continue to get better and that you still believe in him as a top 12 uh, fantasy back going into the rest of the season because I, I'm having a little bit of buyer's remorse, but uh, you guys are both very nicely talking me out of it. Here for you, Pete. Thanks. That's, that's what I need in these hard times. I don't like the Panthers, but McCaffrey's good. So, so there's Clark's input. Um, and then let's uh, let's drum up the old machine, and let's ask Ross. Uh, Ross, what are your feelings on the on the matter as to whether or not you should start Christian McCaffrey or or trust in him for the rest of the season? 
Alrighty-roo. <laughs> what a great moment to say that for the first time. So there's Ross's feelings on the matter. Uh, really Jordan, let's bounce it to you now. Give us one of your players who you are uh, trusting or have no trust in for the rest of the season. Whose trust you're curious about for the rest of the season? Um, well, I trust probably the number one player that I've talked about on this podcast all season long. It is Aaron Jones. Um, I think it finally looks like the Packers have come out of the bye and put an emphasis on um, getting Aaron Jones the football. Um, per acmepackingcompany.com, Jones had 32 snaps compared to 13 for Jamal Williams and just six for Ty Montgomery. Um, what Jones did was with those snaps was get 12 carries for 86 yards while Jamal Williams had four carries for a super strong nine yards. Um, th the game script dictated that they needed to pass more, but those snap numbers are looking good. And I wouldn't be surprised if for the next two weeks, because Ty Montgomery absolutely deserves this, but he's going to be in the dog pound. And that might mean just splitting time between Aaron Jones and um, Jamal Williams which means more carries for Aaron Jones, more opportunities for him to prove that they don't need to be using three running backs in a game. Just the two. I like it. I was really disappointed with the end of the game yesterday. I think I was the only person who picked the Packers to win. And so kicking off uh, to Green Bay with two minutes left, I'm like, this is where I look super smart. Aaron Rodgers marches down the field. Hey, Ty Montgomery, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> So I feel like he's probably not going to play anymore this year. Aaron Jones showed out against a really good team. And I think even a guy like Mike McCarthy will eventually learn like, hey, man, let's stop screwing around. This is the best running back we have. Yeah, basically there was uh, 28 snaps that he was a part of where he didn't get a carry or didn't receive a target in the passing game, which means they like having him on the field, which is good. McCarthy's always going to make me super nervous just for uh, – his love of pass protecting running backs. And so I think like Jamal Williams is always just going to be a threat to uh, Aaron Jones's snap count. And I, I fear that you're, you're always going to be trying to catch lightning in a bottle with Aaron Jones only getting like 12 carries. And if he's getting 12 carries, the Packers offense, that's sick, but um, he still scares me. So he needs to get traded by the deadline. They need to ship him out, sell him high on this game and, I don't know, send him to a team that will commit to running the football with him. But I I agree with Jordan and with Clark. Well, just like you saw it coming out of the bye where there was at least a little more emphasis being placed on the run and just being and, – and not only being placed on the run, but being placed on the fact that Aaron Jones is your guy who you run with. Um, yeah, you, you just kind of have to hope that the Packers offense continues to be like, hey, this is our guy and we're going to – or continues to realize what they have in Aaron Jones and continues to keep getting the ball into his hand. But, I mean, if he if they do that, it's all relying on the coaching staff because he has all the talent in the world, right? It's not like you're waiting on him to, like, start producing more or start doing more with his touches. He's doing everything he can do with those touches. It's just hoping that Mike McCarthy's not a blind fool and is like, we're going to make sure that he gets 15-plus touches per game. Yeah, and the thought here is that, um, the, I mean, they can still use Jamal Williams in obvious passing situations, but – without Ty Montgomery clocking up some of those snap counts, right. that it would, it'll be beneficial to both of them. Should we see what Ross has to say on the matter? Tip it! Tip it! Tip it! 
really know what that has to do or how you should interpret that, but to each their own. However you feel that and what that says about uh, Aaron Jones's value rest of the season. It That's means it. the Packers are pivoting to Aaron Jones. Oh, there it is. There's, there's, there's Jordan spinning it perfectly for his narrative. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. Uh, Clark, who is the first person that you want to talk about today? So this one's a little obvious, but I know people were worried going into this week's game. Uh, we called it absolutely the stinker of the week. I think David Johnson is going to be good to go for the rest of the year. Uh, he's got a couple of good matchups and then the Rams thrown in there twice. Uh, so rest of the season, we've got Kansas city who's second worst against the run Oakland, who's fourth worst Rams are 25th worst, which means they're very good. Uh, Packers are 16th Lions are fifth Falcons are eighth. And then you finish the season with the Rams week 16. So David Johnson looked better. The offense looked a little bit better. Um, that's not saying much about either the offense or how they looked yesterday, but they looked a little bit better. So I think you're back on with, you know, David Johnson. It's going to get a little bit better at the end of the year. Yeah. The biggest thing that I liked seeing with Brian Leftwich calling the calling place was David Johnson's uh, a use in the passing game and B just the understanding of, Hey, David Johnson should get the ball in space and not up the middle of the of the offense. So those are good things to see, and I think if they continue to build off of that, then then DJ has a chance to kind of rekindle some of that fantasy value that we all expected him to have. And especially if he can shape up to being into a, a top 15 even, or maybe, dare I say, top 10 running back for the rest of the season in fantasy, that's a huge plus to any of your teams who's had him because if you've lasted this long with him on your roster, a lot of people, myself and tr- myself as well, have like strategized how to build your roster with David Johnson underperforming. And so you're you're very well suited for him to start playing really well. I like it. I really hope that this works out as I just traded away Zeke Elliott for him with the anticipation that leftwich would change everything. So I Damn. Am, um yeah. I am clinging to the, the to this one, Clark. That's commitment. Did you get anything else or was it just Zeke for DJ straight, straight up. up? Yep. Wow. 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 It's PPR league, so I'm hoping that you know wow. catches just a ton of balls. Wow. Wow. Reassure wow. me, guys. Wow. This is our reassurance. Wow. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. Wow. Um, I like it. Uh David Johnson hasn't exactly had the MVP season that we were anticipating, but ESPN actually has him ranked as the eleventh best running back, which is fine and he's averaging quietly 14 to 15 points a game which is pretty decent like again it's not you were kind of expecting him to be in the Kamara Todd Gurley for where you drafted him but he's doing fine hopefully you constructed the rest of your roster to supplement you know the extra seven points per game that you were hoping out of him I mean he didn't even hurt his leg Clark, Clark talked about David Johnson just so that he could do that. He didn't even hurt him. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I mean, the Cardinals got the win, so. They did. Turn of the tide possibilities. The tide has turned. Um, oh, that game was that game, awful. That game was a bad game to watch. Yeah. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on David Johnson the rest of the season? Oh, wow. I think he's still talking about Nick's trade. I think he's definitely talking about it. Should we ask him again? I feel like it was definitely Nick's trade. Ross, Ross, you're referring to Nick's trade, right? What, what's your thoughts on Nick's trade? 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That was definitely, definitely Nick's trade. Not a lot of people sold on Nick's trade. Uh, All right. My first player to discuss, um, my first player is Adrian Peterson, who's currently in RB12 in standard leagues and is, I think, 11th in the league in rushing and is someone who is kind of balling out uh, when you think of all the kind of situations surrounding him, given his age, given the fact that he was kind of a last second free agent ad for the team from Washington. Um, I think he can keep performing at this level for the rest of the season. Washington keeps giving him the football and he keeps putting in yardage. He's averaging 4.6 yards per carry, which is the fourth most in his career or would be if he finished the season at it, um, which is impressive at the age of whatever 33 he is. And Washington is eighth in the NFL in carry. So they're putting the rock in his hands and they're saying run for it. And he's being able to continually give them production. So I, I, if you have Adrian Peterson, I like trusting him and, and relying on him for the rest of the season. I suppose you're going to watch Monday Night Football, right? Do you have this on DVR or something? Why? What just happened? I, I'm going to tune in after the fact. Something that I often see, and I wonder why when oh, these quarterbacks God. try to go out for a block, why people don't just light them the F up. Oh. And Tom Brady did that, and someone thought like I did. Just like, oh. And he just got lit up. I do like the Adrian Peterson call. The uh, Washington offense is a desolate landscape of offensive sadness uh, but they're giving him the ball 24 times a game so and that's exactly what you need from adrian peterson we talked about this way way back in the offseason where it's like that's when adrian peterson is at his best give him 20 carries and let him gain speed because then he always gets you know a 40 plus yard gain in the final minutes of of the football game because he's just worn out the defense so side note did you guys see um joe flacco on that alex collins touchdown run he did no. the whole Jay Cutler statuesque lined up on the opposite side of where the play was going. Did not move a muscle, like not even a step forward. Awesome. Um, anyway, I like the Adrian Peterson call. Um, even if age is a factor, I think once you start getting into these colder months of the year, um, they're going to start, you know, having to rely on him. And as long as he's getting touches, then that's fine. And also there's the fact that I'm sure you didn't draft Adrian Peterson in the top four to five rounds anyway or even drafted or even drafted him at all yeah exactly so yeah yeah, i'm into it so i'm surprised to, to hear myself say that but i am into it i think i saw chris thompson cracked ribs on the other side of yeah. his body so like i mean the guy he's amazing but he just breaks all of his everything so yeah uh if 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 he's still hampered peterson's just going to keep getting the ball and that's going to work for fantasy purposes and gruden schemes it up i mean Jay Gruden is a fine coach. I mean, like top 70th percentile, like he's not great, but he runs great plays. Um, but so really impressed with what Washington's doing, even though they're scoring like 14 points a game. But the thing is, yeah, and you say that he runs great plays, and he does because their offense has purely been Adrian Peterson, and yet he can regularly turn out yardage, right? A lot of the times when an offense is just solely reliant on its one player in their run game, defenses just sell out on stopping the run. But you're assuming defenses have to be doing that at this point, and yet still Adrian Peterson is able to continually rack up 70-plus yards per game and and fall into the end zone one or two times. So I'm all for him for the rest of the year. Um, Ross, what do you? how do you feel about Adrian Peterson rest of the season? Ah, love. <laughs> L-O-V-E, love. L is for life. And what is life without love? He's clearly on board. Love tequila, Ross. No, I knew that was some lame-o, like, Ross got drunk one episode. 
Um, ask, ask Ross how he feels about freaking Corderell Patterson getting like four or five handoffs out of the backfield to start this game. Ross, uh, how do you feel about that? No. Thank you. There, there's your, there's your insight. Out a couple of series, a.k.a. three plays. AKA exactly how I feel. Three plays. Um, all right, let's uh, – Let's quickly knock through our second players who we are having some indecision with for the rest of the season. Nick, who are you talking about? I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Connor's playing not just at like a great replacement level. The guy is kind of smashing Bell's previous single season statistics. Um, I was checking out some stuff today, notably Adam Levitan, Levitan um, over at DraftKings. But Connor's... Uh, on pace for over 2,100 total yards, over 20 touchdowns. Le'Veon has hit 2,000 total yards once, and his touchdown, uh, his highest uh, single season touchdown total is 11. So this is he's on a different level. I I initially thought that when Bell got back, and I've been thinking that for a few weeks now that he would take over as like the one A to Connor's B. I kind of think it might be the other way around. So I'm nervous about Le'Veon Bell. My thing about the whole Le'Veon Bell, uh, James Conner comparison is that for every stat that you're looking at for James Conner this year, whether that's um, like the contact he gets before or the yards he gets before contact or anything like that, I have to see Le'Veon Bell in the same offense because Le'Veon Bell was not coached by the same offensive coordinator while he was there. So, so things have changed for the Steelers, and I feel like I need to see what Le'Veon Bell could possibly do in this offense. He could very well do much better than James Conner, but for a fantasy perspective, I James Con- or Le'Veon Bell is supposed to be back by now, so that's worrisome. So I, I'm only mildly reluctant to steer the show down Narrative Street, but yes. do you think there's a little motivation to play James Conner and get him a few more touchdowns maybe than... Steve mm. kind of I'll show you. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. It's possible. Yes. Be like Lev Bell. Roethlisberger was calling for, for more Connor playing time upon Bell's return. Yeah. I'm I I will be curious to see how they use Le'Veon Bell when he comes back because it doesn't seem like they're trading him. I feel like there would have been like some sort of rumors getting leaked right around this point since we're basically on the NFL trade deadline if he was actually going to get moved. Which is baffling. Yeah, it is very baffling that, but I I agree with you, Nick. I am definitely worried about Le'Veon Bell for the rest of the season. I think he's going to come in and produce, but the question is, he's definitely going to be sharing a backfield now with James Conner. You're going to have a very annoyed entire Steelers team uh, that I don't know how they're going to really react or treat him, you know, or want to use him. How is he going to be used? They could just line him up as a slot receiver and just use him as a slot receiver for the rest of the season. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I think because of all of that, he's definitely, there's a lot of indecision uh, surrounding him. And uh, it also is leading into the fact that I was um, constantly and chronically second guessing my James Conner for a Christian McCaffrey trade. Beautiful. That's rough. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm not freaked out. <laughs> I'm indignant as a consumer. I always hated friends. <laughs> You just, you just I have your putz buds, you know. Well, thank you. Uh, the, this isn't Ross from Friends, Clark. This is the, the rest of the season simulator machine that I have purchased. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, a normal 
mistake to make. Uh, a lot of people confuse the two because of the similarities in their voice, but uh, and the and the laugh track that they both come with. It's a simulator, not the Rossitron. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Jordan, your next player. So I, this one's kind of easy, but the person that I just do not trust for the rest of the year, who's been a strong RB2 for the majority of the season, is Carlos Hyde. Um, he had an abysmal 11-yard debut for the Jags. Uh, granted, it was against a pretty stout Eagles run defense. I still don't trust that he'll be able to really get things rolling, not in this offense, not when you have Blake Bortles, who can't get them ahead in games, which is really kind of sad and unfortunate. Uh, Fournette is also on his way back after the bye week here. Um, that's what Adam Schefter reported uh, just this morning. So I don't think the Jags are going to completely give up on Leonard Fournette, who was their uh, first round draft pick from just a couple years ago. Um, so they're definitely going to want to give him the ball. So even if they're in a sort of timeshare, time share, you can't rely on Carlos Hyde to be an RB2 um, in Jacksonville, even still is still 25th in rushing the ball with 95 yards a game. That's just not a recipe for Carlos Hyde's success. Yeah, his value has just been crushed until Leonard Fournette sprains his ankle again. Yeah, sucks, I'm a Carlos Hyde truther through and through. But that's rough. Um, yeah, I, I, I hopefully you were able to trade Hideaway at some point because um, this, this is yeah not happy times. Ross, your thoughts? No. Mm, seems like Ross is starting to run out of sound bites. This <laughs> crappy machine for what I paid for. It's uh, frustrating. Uh, Clark, your second player. So it's about that time of year when you start looking at playoff matchups to try to m- get that last guy that might put you over the hump. And I think somebody that is available probably is not to pick up, but for a decent trade. It's Philip Lindsay, who goes week 14, 15, and 16 against San Francisco, who's 13th worst for points allowed to running backs, and then finishes the year against Cleveland and then Oakland. That's about as good as it gets. Philip Lindsay has been a uh, marvel this year. And uh, and I just saw a stat, too, though, saying that he is, I think it's top 10 in the NFL in rushing yards, but has... Whereas everyone else in that group has like 125 carries at the minimum. He has 93. And I think he's like averaging 5.7 yards per carry or something absurd like that. Whereas no one else in that top list is averaging anything closer than 4.5. So he, the more touches he gets, the more production he's going to give you. And he looks great. They keep trying to give it to someone else. Yeah. I like the, the pick as well. Um, For whatever reason, I don't know why they're just not using Philip Lindsay more. Um, and set up their other running backs. It's almost like a Green Bay situation there. Um, Phil Lindsay is also their best like pass catching back too. I was watching him make quite a few plays this weekend. Lindsay's a beast. If if I could get him on a team, I'd be ecstatic. Um, especially a, a keeper league that that would be that would be awesome. Um, I do want to say he was my cock locked, ready to rock, whatever lock of the week to finish as a top twelve running back this week. He's currently number twelve. <laughs> So, so you better hope Barner. Kenyon Barner is going to have a massive game just to knock him out so, of the top 12. Not watching. Oh, <laughs> Kenyon Barner not playing. Do we count Corderell Patterson as a running back? Or oh, yeah, we do. Corderell Patterson knocking Nick out of the rankings. The first play from scrimmage was a, a Cordell Patterson carry. Like they're actually using him a lot. They're using him as a running back. And not great, Bob. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it looks pretty good. Uh, I love it. No, I love it. Oh, this is how Nick goes down. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> was that an other guy's quote, Jordan? No, no. That was... Uh, That's a... Whatchamacallit? Madman, or, yeah, Madman. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Other um, guys, is, it's not a good time, Bob. That's right. <laughs> Ross, does Philip Lindsay belong on your fantasy football roster moving forward? No, they don't! Wow. A st- strong opinion. Controversial. Ross is off the rails. Ross heard Clark's uh, this feedback about his show that he was in, and now is out for blood. Wait, the simulator had a TV show? Yeah, he did. It was called Compadres. Oh, okay. You ever see it? It was great. Oh, yeah, Telemundo, if I'm not yeah, if you're not mistaken. Uh, let's stay with the Broncos, because my second guy is also Broncos. We talked about him earlier in the podcast. Emmanuel Sanders is on this list because I feel like he's an ideal sell-high candidate. Uh, he had un- unexpected production to start the season. I personally didn't realize, actually, how well he's been doing this year. I thought it. Oh, Clark thought it. Clark, you are a better man than I. You things I got right this year. <laughs> That's true. You actually did talk about it. A fair amount. All right, credit where credit's due. All right, all right. Now my now my now all my notes are ruined, Clark. They're no, all ruined. I'm just going to flounder without any kind of direction. But this week, he hurt his wrist. Oh. <laughs> he hurt his wrist. Not his leg. Not his leg. Um, wrist. So do I like him for the rest of the season? I do, because there is so many rumors circling that team right now about trading Demarius Thomas. And if they trade Demarius Thomas, then there's going to be so many targets that are going to be opened up in that offense for Emmanuel Sanders to continue to eat. Uh Keenum clearly loves him. He has 50 catches, leads the team with 50 catches. Demarius Thomas is second with 36. And Devontae Booker is third with 20. So Emmanuel Sanders, if Thomas leaves that team, is going to have 30 more receptions than the next closest person uh, on that roster. So he is going to continue to get his, uh, continue to be a vital part of that offense. And I think he's someone that if, you know, if maybe you can eke him off of someone's team, they're not really paying attention or they're flushed with wide receivers, He's definitely someone who I would be looking to trade something for to get onto my roster to to uh, kind of solidify your receiving core. Yeah, I think we talked about uh, Sanders a little bit earlier in the year, uh, just for the fact that Case Keenum really loves that receiver that can just grab you a few uh, short yardage situations and not have to take so many risks with Demarius Thomas down the field. That's just not what Case Keenum wants to do. Uh, finally, Ross, plugging you in. What are your thoughts on this? I do love you. You mean you love Emmanuel Sanders for the rest of the season? Oh, no, I really love you. <laughs> okay, I guess I love you too, Ross Machine. Oh, I don't get it. Wow. He's, uh, he's melting down. It's late for him. He needs to go to bed. Big thanks to, right now we're putting him to bed, big thanks to our rest of the season simulator, Ross, and his great help in determining exactly who will keep, who to keep and get rid of on your fantasy roster. So thank you, Ross. Everyone's all, uh, Ross, you have to be funny and sexy. Well, I proved them wrong. Good night, Ross. Sleep well, you you magnificent, magnificent <laughs> robot. Uh, all right, before we head out, quickly, as we always do on Mondays slash Tuesday days episodes, you're adding one person off the waiver wire. Who is that player? I will start because we're going to just keep moving on this Denver Broncos train, that player's Cortland Sutton. Because like I said, if Demarius Thomas gets traded, that boy is about to get a big part of that offense. He already has had a pretty solid, I call it a rookie solid uh, production so far. He's recorded at least six fantasy points in six out of his eight games and is averaging about five targets and two catches per game, which is 
you know, for a rookie still getting implemented in offense where there's already two receivers ahead of him, I think that's legit. Like, that's, you know, fine. And if Demarius Thomas does get moved, then he's going to leap into that wide receiver two role in Denver and he's going to fall into a heck of a lot more target. So I think he's someone that you grab now, stash. If the trade goes down, if suddenly that offense looks a lot different, you got him on your squad for nothing. Uh, and if it doesn't, if no trade happens, either keep him for a little bit, maybe get a little flex out, or you just drop him and no harm, no foul. So there you go. Clark, who do you got for this week? I, I don't have anyone this week. Perfect. Someone I want to pick up. <laughs> Clark is content with his team. Uh, Jordan, who are you adding this week? Um, I'm going with a homer pick, and I'm looking at Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, it looks like he is really starting to maybe take a grasp of that number three wide receiver role in Green Bay. He's already the best deep threat op- option they have. I mean, Besides Devonte Adams, who does everything, but um, he had five targets himself on Sunday, so that's a, a good look for a rookie wide receiver. I like it. He's a baller. Yeah. So if you held on to Geronimo Allison in an extremely short benches league and dropped Sammy Watkins so that you could play Legarrette Blunt for one week, you didn't make the right decision. I tinkered Watkins out of my lineup for Devin Funches at 9.45 this weekend. Nailed it. Oh, I'm sorry. Me dropping him led to his offensive explosion. Yeah. We, yeah. This is Thanks a – we should, we should uh, in the offseason, we'll launch into a true scientific dis- uh, research and discovery to see uh, how Clark's effect of dropping the player actually has on their fantasy value and production. Because I feel like there's a pretty direct correlation. Yeah, can you Clark? let us know when you drop somebody so we can – Yeah, please do. I single-handedly destroyed the Jaguars. It's true, but you didn't. You didn't drop them. There's a difference. You have to. If you say something positive about a team, then they suddenly start sucking. And if you drop a player from your fantasy team, then basically, I've got a lot. I've got several tricks up my sleeve, and that was just one of them. And that's just Clark's a man full of tricks. Uh, finally, Nicholas, who are you adding off waivers? Kiki QT. He's only yeah. owned in like twenty percent of uh, Yahoo leagues. I think it's similarly low in ESPN leagues, but with Will Fuller out for the year with the torn ACL pouring out for him, um, QT's targets are going to fly up. So go get that guy because he is really good and he's got a lot of opportunity in a Deshaun Watson offense. Yes. Cool. Yes. 100%. Especially since Deshaun Watson starting to look like uh, rookie year Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Hot stuff. <clears throat> All right. Well, there you go. Make sure to follow uh, us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Download, rate, subscribe, do all those things on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a review. Give us five stars because, you know, you like to listen to the sound of our melodious voices with screaming in your ears. Uh, follow myself on Twitter at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you guys on Thursday uh, to talk about the week nine uh, start, sit, previews, all that good stuff. Until then, uh, peace.